Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And once again, we caution you. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Streets of San Francisco. A Quinn Martin production. Starring Carl Malden. Also starring... Jimmy! I got one thing! Jimmy! Tonight's episode, Mr. Nobody. Hey now. Uh, well, I do identify to that in other names, too. Welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a throwback Thursday episode number 1467. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello. 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 Uh, uh, hello. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That is so true, and the hero of this story and all the episodes of the Riley and Kimmy show is right next to me, and that is Kimmy. Maybe I'll go crazy. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Uh, let's hope she's not too crazy. Uh, hello, Kimmy. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you do have certified sane on your right hand there. I see it stamped there, unless you rubbed off the end part. So it's it's mm. great to have you on this episode, a throwback Thursday episode. Thursday, such a crazy, lazy day. Thursday has its own peculiar way. Oh, it is. As we wait for Friday, Kimmy's favorite day is a throwback Thursday. I like throwback Thursday. We go back in time. How are you on this uh, going back in time kind of day, Kimmy? Oh, I'm fine. Well, that is good. Did that song put you in the mood there? Oh, yeah. Lava lamps and everything like that. Groovy, man. Uh-huh. Far out. Anyhow, it's a throwback Thursday. I'd like to throw it back just a little bit to uh, the past weekend and do a special hello, a special shout out. Hi there. That's right. A special shout out and hello to Butch Patrick and his lovely wife, Leela. Yes, hello. Yeah, it was great seeing them. last. It was. Yeah, last Saturday night, we were able to spend a little bit of time with them. I wish we could have spent more time, but uh, we didn't want to you know, crowd things and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was just really good to see them. Now, if you happen to be in Central Florida, coming up in just a few weeks, Butch Patrick of the Munsters fame, that is Eddie Munster that he played, will be at the DeLand Comic and Collectible Show. That is Sunday, January 14th. It's at the Volusia County Fairgrounds. Very easy to get to. Right off of I-4. Very easy to get to. GPS will not let you down, which will be at that uh, location. And this is a very nice location. Free parking. Food is available on site. Admissions just 5 bucks for adults. If the door 12 and under is free with an adult. And the fun starts with Butch at 10 o'clock. Now, I encourage you to get there early. Right, Kimmy? Yes. Get there early. That way you can browse and find that special collectible. Meet Butch. Get something signed. You know, you might have the uh, Eddie Munster pop vinyl or be able to find one because there will be pop vinyl uh, merchandise available at the Deland Comic and Collectible Show and have him sign that or other Munster-related things. Mm -hmm. Very nice person, right, Kimmy? Yes. And for Throwback Thursday, we have a video interview we did with Butch actually going back to last January or January of this year when we talked with Butch. He uh, decided to go on camera with us. His total idea. And we talked with him for a few moments and there's a surprise guest and it might might be kind of fun to see. And we have that available on our Facebook page right now and also on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And we have an, uh, another interview that's available, an audio interview, a podcast that's available with Butch, where we talk about uh, some of his passions and hobbies. That's available, too, on our website. You can find that on our links page. And it's also on our Throwback Thursday 
post that we have for today. So you can find that on our website and the other on our website and our Facebook page. And by the way, if you want to find out more about the Deland Comic and Collectible Show, the best thing to do is go right to their Facebook page. They have an active Facebook page, and they'll have all the information on how you can get tickets and things like that. And one of the things uh, I want to point out is some think, unfortunately, that Butch only did the monsters. He did other work, too. He acted in film, and he was also part of a TV show, which I hope I'm not the only person on planet Earth that knows about. It was a fun TV show, a wacky TV show. It was part of Saturday Mornings, and he was part of Lidsville. And when he looked into the skies, he couldn't believe his ears or eyes. How's that for a topper? <laughs> now, he played Mark on Lidsville. Now, Kimmy, who played the person that you heard right at the very end there? The very tail end, he was kind of the villain of those episodes of Lidsville. Who was that? Charles Nelson Riley. That's right. And if you remember Match Game, he was a, a big-time panelist on that. Yes. I, I love watching him in anything that he was in. I'm sure he was fun to work with. Never asked Butch what it was like to work around Charles Nelson Riley. I had I've been feeling it was just, hmm. just a trippy thing to do. And I don't know if anybody streams Lidsville, but if they do, check that out. You'll get an idea of what uh, Butch uh, was doing after the Munsters. Just one of the things he was doing. You can talk to him about that and also his music career that he had. Fun guy. Please visit him in DeLand if you happen to be in Central Florida. That is in January. Kimmy, you can find those links that we talked about. Throwback Thursday with the uh, Butch video and uh, Butch interviews and things like that including our social media links and the best way to listen to the Riley and Kimmy show daily. You can take us anywhere on planet earth. We're available on iHeartRadio, iTunes and SoundCloud and archived episodes on our website right now. What is our web address? Rileyandkimmy.com. Find archived podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at Rileyandkimmy.com. This is the story of an expedition to outer space and the drama of the men who made it. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is the big question on Throwback Thursday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear and challenge her brain cells with some pop culture trivia? What say you on this Thursday, Kimmy? Okay. Whoa, she said okay. So here we go into the time machine. One of the things I want to stress, the timeline has been adjusted. It's all wacky. The the time stream has been just totally corrupted. That's right, meaning it's not running linear or chronological order. Feel free to shout out answers. Kimmy actually believes in time travel answers. I think she's a little, uh, you know, wacky on this. But she says it works, so yell at whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything because we are mobile and we are global. We are the Riley and Kimmy show. It is a Thursday. The very first question we have for Kimmy happens to be in the world of cinema. Kimmy, here we go with your movie question. Listen carefully. We're looking for the studio. The studio first. Tell us the name of the studio that debuted the first full-length animated feature in Hollywood, California. Can you tell me which studio did this? Mm. Who had the first full-length? MGM? No. One more guess. Animated. Cart- cartoon full length Walt Disney yes Walt Disney can you tell me what was the first full length animated feature from Disney Mortimer Mouse no that's a short no. I'll, I'll, give uh, you, I'll, I'll help you out here Snow White oh ooh, ooh, you got it Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is the answer what decade was that was that the 1920s 1930s 1940s or 1950s 1930s you're on a roll now. 1937 is when that happened. Sailing takes me away to where I'm going. Uh, was it 
wasn't a pleasant sale, I don't think, this time of year. Think of it as this time of year, the year 1620, this time of year, December 21st, 1620, this ship and its passengers from England landed at Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the ship the Pilgrims were on in 1620? The Mayflower. That's correct. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, it was on this date in history, Arthur Wynn published a new word cross game. It was actually word cross puzzles, what it was called. This was in the New York world in England. Now, the name was later changed to Crossword Puzzle. Can you tell me what year within 20 years that the Crossword Puzzle debuted? Um, 1825? It was 1913 that this happened. The year is 1933. Fox Films signs this actress. Identify the actress. They put this person under contract and they would be quite successful for them. Matter of fact, saved the studio in the 1930s. Animal crackers in my soup. Monkeys and rabbits meet the loop. Gosh, oh, but I have fun swallowing animals one by one. In every bowl of soup I see, lions and tigers watching me. I make them jump right through those animal crackers in my soup. Kimmy, can you identify that star? Shirley Temple. That's correct. Now, how old, with no margin of error, was Shirley Temple when she signed with the studio or her family signed for her? Um, eight. She was five years old in 1933 when that happened. Okay. Moving somewhere else on the timeline. Identify who this person is, Kimmy. It was 1951. He announced his retirement from Major League Baseball. He would eventually be on television doing a lot of commercials for this product. Tell me who it is. For the special people on your gift list, giving Mr. Coffee is the delicious way to say Merry Christmas. Everyone would love to have Mr. Coffee. It's America's number one coffee maker. Mr. Coffee with Coffee Saver brews delicious coffee fast, and it saves coffee, too. When you give Mr. Coffee for Christmas, every delicious cup will be a reminder of your thoughtfulness for years to come. This Christmas, give Mr. Coffee. Can you identify who that is? Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. Guarded baseball's famous streak that's got us all aglow. He's just a man and not a freak. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Joe, Joe DiMaggio. We want you on our side. He tied the mark at 44, July the 1st, you know. Since then, he's hit a good 12 more. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Joe, Joe DiMaggio. We want you on our side. From coast to coast, that's all you'll hear of Joe, the one-man show. He's glorified the horse-hide sphere. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Joe, Joe DiMaggio. He'll live in baseball's Hall of Fame. He got there blow by blow. Our kids will tell their kids his name. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. We dream of Joey with the light brown back. Joe, Joe DiMaggio. We want you on our side. Yeah, Kimmy got it right. And by the way, that's a little throwback Thursday moment from Les Brown and his orchestra. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio actually had his own song, Kimmy. Hmm. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, but staying sort of in the world of music. Well, we were music there. Now we are definitely in it. The year is 1968. This group performs together in public for the first time. Now, they would not perform this song, but this song would become a hit and they would perform it live. The year is 1970. When it reaches number 11, identify the group that formed in, well, Identify the group that performed in public for the first time on this date in 1968. Woodstock, number 11, 1970. 1968, though, the group performed for the first time in public together. Who is it? 
Mm. You need another right. clue, Kimmy? Yeah. Another clue, 1977 number seven hit. Just a song before I go to whom it may concern. Traveling twice the speed of sound, it's easy to get burned. When the shows were over. Let's see how well Kimmy knows her classic rock and classic hits. Who is that, Kimmy? I don't know. Crosby, Stills, and Nash ah. went together for the first time. 1968, we had a little young thrown in there with uh, some samples. 1968, Crosby, Stills, and Nash performed in public for the first time. The year is 1968. Yeah, we're staying there. We can't get away from 68. This recording artist gave her first solo performance. It happened in Memphis, Tennessee. Identify who it is. Here is a sample of her work from 1971, number one hit. And who is that, Kimmy? Janis Joplin. That's correct. Moving ahead 10 years. It was on this date. Newscasts were covering this. Police in Des Plaines, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, arrested this individual and began unearthing the remains of 33 men and boys... He was later convicted of killing them. Who is the serial killer? John Wayne Gacy. That's right, John Wayne Gacy Jr. So on this date, 1985, this group has an album that goes number one. The album just happens to be the name of the group. One of the many hits off that album is this one. It was number one, 1986, on the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard Adult Contemporary Charts. Tell me who the group is. And who is that, Kimmy? Hart. You're right. Moving to celebrity wedding time. The year is 1991. This actress at the age... Well, we won't give you that. We'll, we'll be polite here. This actress marries CNN founder Ted Turner. They get married at the groom's home in North Florida. Can you identify who the actress is? The year's 1991. Jane Fonda. That's right. Jane Fonda married Ted Turner. 1991. Moving one year. The year is 1992. We just talked about David Crosby and the group he was with. And, uh, well, he actually went into some acting. He appeared on TV. He was on ABC TV as a guest on this TV show. Identify it. identify that tv show roseanne yeah roseanne and did you ever see that episode no i didn't did you even watch roseanne i've seen some oh, of it by default you didn't sit down or re no. you didn't back then hit the uh, vcr to record roseanne uh no that's right because you were too little to run the vcr <laughs> and and couldn't do that you were too you were too you know you were what were you in kindergarten uh, I can't yeah. uh, that's okay, right first grade yeah. something like that yeah the year is 1993. This single is released in the United States. It would become the Billboard Song of the Year. Tell us the name of the single. Can you tell me the title? The sign. And 
And who had that as a hit, Kimmy? Ace of Base. That's correct. And I really feel they uh, were influenced by ABBA, don't you? A little mm-hmm. bit? Come on, just, a, just a tad. Yeah. Well, that single was released 1993. Do you have that on MP3 or maybe you know digital or, uh, or vinyl or something? Don't think so. so. Well, yeah, um, yeah, you have part of my collection in your world. So, yes, you do. You have the uh, CD, Kimmy. Yes, okay. we do. The, the entire CD it came from. The year is 1993. We have Impossible Music Trivia, Kimmy. Now, this single was certified gold on this date. That's a really big deal. The recording artist had a hit with this. It hit number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 3 on the Hot Rap Singles of the Billboard charts. This person at the time was a star in the NBA. This song played on top 40 radio and urban and rhythmic stations and in clubs. Can you tell me who this is? The year is 1993. Please dab my hands. I know I got skills, man. I know I got skills, man. I know I got skills. Who is it, Kimmy? NBA player. Big time. Was part of the Orlando Magic for years. Mm, I'm not sure. He's big. <laughs> His nickname had, like, a uh, attack to it. Wow. Uh... Nope. Uh, it's Shaquille O'Neal. Oh. With, I know. I got skills. It charted 1993 certified gold. Obviously, you didn't buy it to uh, help it get that gold status. That's, that's, uh, that's fresh to me. I uh. Okay. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Kimmy, impossible name here for you, although you know this person's work. It is rich. He was born on this date, 1922. That is Paul Winchell, ventriloquist, but best known as a voice talent of cartoons in the world of animation and just, you know, straight up uh, cartoons and, and like in uh, commercials and things. With uh, the dummies, his ventriloquist gig. He had Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead uh, Smith. You might remember them, right? Hmm. You remember Jerry Mahoney? No. Probably not because you're not 150 years old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Somebody's listening. You're going, yeah, I remember him. Actually, he was quite popular. Not as big as Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, but he gave him a good run for his money. He was more prominent on television with the dummies. He would appear on, you know, like What's My Line or shows like that. I've got with the dummy actually asking people questions. And the dummy was so popular that they marketed it to the masses. It was probably, I'm guessing here, the late 50s, mid-50s into the 60s that these dummies were all over the place for a period of time. Hmm. And they actually did well. Now, Jerry Mahoney was, you know, one of his big things, but he was huge, as I said, in animation. Kimmy. Identify one of the characters he is known for. He is known for being the original voice of Tigger, but he's also known for this character. Butler, you snickering floppy-eared hound. When courage is needed, you're never around. Those medals you wear on your moth-eaten chest should be there for bungling it, which you are best. So stop the pigeon, 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 stop the pigeon. How? Damn him, jam him, tan him, grab him, stop that pigeon now. You, silly, stop sneaking, it's not worth a chance, or you'll be returned by the seat of your pants. And clunk, you invent me a thingamabob that catches that pigeon or I lose my job. So, stop the pigeon, 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 ow! Nab him, jab him, tab him, grab him, stop that pigeon, now! Can you identify that character he is known for? Mm. Oh, Kimmy, this was part of Saturday morning cartoons and also syndication for years. No. That is Dick Dastardly. He was oh. voice of... Uh, Why did I think Dick Dastardly was Paul Lynn? 
No, Paul Lynn was at uh, the Claw. Was oh. that the name of the character he was with Penelope Pitstop? Wow, Kimmy threw me on the. Wow, this is what I like. I love cartoon trivia. Yeah, the Claw, where he went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah it was Paul oh, Lynn. okay. Yeah, and, but also if you happen to be, you know, if you're older and. Now, if you're really young, you you would know the Smurfs back in the 80s. He was part of it. Although, if you happen to have been somebody who was working clubs like oh, somebody in the studio, not saying me, uh, and you came home very early on Saturday mornings because the clubs went till 4, you'd go out and have you know breakfast with your friends, and then you would pop on the Smurfs just to hear his voice work because he was Gargamel. Oh, how I hate them! I'll get those miserable Smurfs if it's the last thing I ever do! Yeah, he wanted to uh, turn him into soup and hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. He and his cat, yeah, they didn't like the Smurfs. That's Paul Winchell, and you know him for his commercial work, Kimmy. What power, what power? What just put the muscle on dirt and scum? Oh, we scrub it away fast. Oh, we do, we really do. We disinfect and deodorize, too. Okay, charms, you're all washed up. <laughs> Look at the shine we leave behind. We work extra hard so you don't have to. That is Paul Winchell, born in the state, 1922, passed away 2005. Somebody I wish I could have met, would have loved to have met him. Extremely intelligent. To give you an idea, he had medical training. He was an inventor. He became the first person to build and patent a mechanical artificial heart that was implantable in the chest cavity. Wow. That is just how smart the guy is. And you can see how smart he is when he's on those panel shows interviewing people. Like, you know, I think it's What's My Line It Was or To Tell the Truth that he was part of, or maybe both of them. And you can catch those on Buzzer TV. Highly intelligent. I think he could have even been bigger if maybe, I don't know, a different time period or maybe handled differently with different venues. He, he could have been even larger, I think. Hmm. Very, very talented moving somewhere else on the timeline kimmy this person born on this date tell me who it is let me just make this point here she's now 22 first start in the cosby series when she was 16 years old this led to a spinoff you knew that a different world starred with mickey rourke in angel heart has a beautiful 16 month old daughter married to lenny kravitz here is lisa bonnet they're crazy about you our next guest has never had a baby in his life <laughs> From San Juan, Puerto Rico, you know him as uh, for his performances on stage, television, and film, notably Kiss of the Spider Woman, Tequila Sunrise, and a whole bunch of other things. Here is Raul Julia. Can you tell me who that TV talk show host is having a birthday? Phil Donahue? Yes, how old is he within five years? Um, 78. He is 82 years old today. Next individual actress. See if you can identify who it is with these clues. She is a two-time Academy Award-winning actress, but nominated seven times. She won two Best Actress Oscars in 1970s, one for Clute in 1971. Coming home in 1978, nominated and did not win for The China Syndrome in 1979 and On Golden Pond in 1981. She was in 9 to 5, not nominated for anything, in 1980. Can you tell me who it is? Jane Fonda. Yes. How old is Jane Fonda on this date within five years? 76. Jane Fonda is celebrating her 80th birthday today. I wonder if that kind of gets her that she got married on her birthday. Think about it. She always remembers that now. Mm. You know, I mean, I wonder if that's a good thing. or mm. not. Uh, don't, don't know. Next person, recording artist, Kimmy, born on this date, known for his... Very odd recording techniques. He did chart into the top 40 a couple of times. He died 1992 at the age of 53. Tell me who this is. He had a hit in 1979. It hit number 45 called Dancing Fool. I don't know much about dancing. That's why I got this song. One of my legs is shorter than the other end. Both of my feet's too long. Of course, now right along with them. I got no natural rhythm. But I go dancing every night, hoping one day I might get it right. Mama, dancing fool, dancing fool, dancing Can you tell me who had Dancing Fool as a song in 1979? He was born on this date. Uh, no. Well, you'll know him with this one. The year's 1982. He charted with a song that had his daughter on it. He is credited as the, well, the person with the song. She just gets a little, you know, parenthesis mentioned on the, like, 45 at the time. 
Tell Me Who This Is. This song hit number 32 on the charts, 1982. That was dad and daughter together. Can you tell me who the person is born on this date, Kimmy? Frank Zappa? Yeah, Frank Zappa, born 1940, died 1992 at the age of 53. Do you have Valley Girl? No. In, in, uh, uh, did you remember Valley Girl there? The, uh-huh. it, it was, okay. It did play on radio, remember? And yeah. it was, it's actually in a movie. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. I think it was in a Nicolas Cage film way back hmm. when. I can't remember which one it is, but. Yeah. Valley Girl? Yeah, the, was that it? Dad, that's the movie. Wow, there we go. Uh, I've never seen that movie, I don't think. Mm. I've seen clips of it. That's how I know the song. With mm. it, if I, Well, it's not how I know the song. We actually played the song at a radio station I was at in 1982. Uh, we actually played that thing and played it sometimes in certain club settings. It would depend, or actually dances. It would depend on what it was. Didn't uh, get many requests after, you know, like 82, 83 time period. Next individual actor having a birthday, tell me how old he is once you identify him. We have multiple clues if you need it. Here's clue one. Can I tell you a secret? I'm going to be very, very sad if this doesn't turn out the way I think. Can you tell me who that is? Samuel Jackson. That's right. Samuel L. Jackson having a birthday today. Kimmy, how old is Samuel L. Jackson within five years? 54. Samuel L. Jackson would give you one big hug. He's celebrating his 69th birthday today. Recording artist having a birthday. He is 66 years old, Kimmy. He had a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1978. Tell me who it is. singing about Kimmy there. Can you tell me who that is having a birthday today? He is 66. No. <gasps> How they have forgotten. 1978 hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. That is Nick Gilder having his 66th birthday. He was also lead singer with Sweeney Todd, a group, and he had a number one hit with them as well. Next person, tell me why they are on the celebrity notable list. Chris Everett. Why is that person on this list? She was a tennis player. Correct. A former world number one professional tennis player in the United States. Won 18 Grand Slam singles championships and three doubles titles. She won her first Wimbledon in 1974. How old is she today, Kimmy, within five years? 69. She is 63. She won that first Wimbledon at the age of 19. Next person, actor, comedian. Known for this TV show, identify the TV show the moment you can. Everybody Loves Raymond. That is correct. He appeared on that show, star of that show. Tell me who it is and how old he is within five years. Things were going good. We've been going out for a couple months. Seemed like he was happy with me. Then I remember we went to see Tootsie. I liked it. She liked it. We had fun. Next thing I know, goodbye forever. What did I do? People like Tootsie, right? <laughs> so what was it? It's like somebody can break up with you at any time for no reason. Can you tell me who that is? Ray Romano. Yes, how old is he within five years? Uh, 59. He is 60 today. Next individual, Kimmy, having a birthday. Tell me how old he is within five years. Here is an audio clue. You know the name of the person inside the Russian government who's giving the orders. I want that name. Give me that name! There's only one outcome here, and that is the death penalty. Unless, of course, you cooperate. Help us find it. And I'm pretty sure I can get them to take that off the table. Can you tell me who that is? Kiefer Sutherland? Yes, how old is Kiefer today within five years? 56. He is 51. Identify this throwback Thursday movie clip. Tell me 
what movie he is in. I'm going to draw 20 cc's. You handle the injections. On the EEG flat lines, brain is dead. I'll be exploring. Give me 30 seconds. Rachel Manis may have the answers to life and death. Five minutes. Imagine that. She was under for five minutes. Now, she walks out of that lady's room with those answers. The whole world will worship her. Kimmy, what is the name of that film? Flatliners. Uh, that's one of your favorite movies of all time, isn't it? Yeah, he was running from Billy Mahoney. How did you remember the kid in the red, red, uh, I know. red, what was a hoodie? Yeah, that's yep. it. And he fell from the tree, didn't he? Yeah. Because he threw rocks at him or something, yeah. right? As a kid? Yeah. And then they made up in the uh, flatline world, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The, there was justice yeah. or something that happened. Yeah, We just spoiled that movie. Uh-oh. Wow. Well, it still might, be, still might be fun. I think they're rebooting that thing, aren't they, Flatliners? It already came and went in well, the theater. It did. It did. Mm-hmm. Was he in it? It was a bomb. Was he in it? No. Oh, see, that's why. Had to have him in there screaming. You know, Nobody can yell better than Kiefer Sutherland. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's the best. All right, Kimmy, you did a fantastic job with that one. I see dead people. Notable deaths, Kimmy. This person passed away 1945. Died at the age of 60 in Germany of injuries from a car accident. He survived World War II, but died because of a car wreck. He was immortalized in a film starring George C. Scott. Tell me who the person is. All this stuff you heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse down. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. Who passed away on this date in 1945? Patton. You're right, Kimmy. I think you did a fantastic job with today's trivia, and we are going to go back in time and honor something we talked about with a golden age of radio. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we can go back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear, otherwise known as the golden age of radio, we take that opportunity. In honor of General George S. Patton, we have something that's a little bit different with the golden age of radio. It's actually a biography that they did about Patton from 1945. It has, uh, well, um, kind of a drama biography. Fantastic production piece. Rarely heard. Let's go back in time in honor of George S. Patton on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Watch Company and its dealers throughout America dedicate this program to the United States Treasury Department for the sale of war bonds. With Miriam Hopkins as our special guest today, we proudly present another in this series of dramatic programs, These Are Our Men. fight for total victory. These are our men. Eisenhower, Arnold, Marshall, Nimitz, Wainwright, Halsey, Clark, Bradley, Kincaid, Today we give you Lieutenant General George S. Patton, Jr., Commanding General of the Third Army. Our story will begin in just a moment, but first, 
Here's our star treasury salesman, special guest today, the distinguished actress of stage and screen, Miss Miriam Hopkins. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I know right now you want to hear the thrilling story of one of America's most colorful generals, and a red-blooded story it is, too. But I'll be back later in the program with an important message from another colorful figure, Uncle Sam. That's a promise, Miss Hopkins. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, may I remind you to be sure to send for your copy of our exciting new book portfolio, combining the pictures and stories of America's top leaders with a special compartment for the safekeeping of your war bonds. I'll tell you how in just 27 minutes. Right now, the authentic story of another great American. It was during the first week of the Allied invasion of Normandy, the week beginning June 6th. I'm sure you remember that date. After the reports had started coming in that the beachhead was at last established and the troops were pushing further in, the armchair strategists all over America began to ask the question which was uppermost in their minds. Where is Patton? Yeah, where is Patton? Where is Patton? No one knew. No one volunteered the information, but everyone speculated. I'll tell you where Patton is. He's in Italy. Impossible. He must be somewhere in Washington. Oh, Patton's through. Finished. Not on your life. He's too good a man. He's probably in England right now, making preparations. Well, it's a mystery. That's all I've got to say. The biggest mystery of the war. And even among the men in the ranks, among Army and Navy officers, truck drivers, and assault troops, the same question was being asked. Where's Patton? That's what I'd like to know. When old blood and guts gets here, that's when we'll start moving. And perhaps not too surprisingly... During this same time, there was just as much concern in Nazi quarters as to Patton's whereabouts. Here's the latest intelligence report, Mayor. Good. Their first army is massing for assault at this point here. Mm -hmm. These are their tanks, artillery, and supplies. Reserves are approximately at this location here, two miles inland. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, by the way, Captain, still no news of Patton, I presume. Eh? Unfortunately not, Herr Mayor. Ah, that is too bad. All these intelligence reports are totally worthless unless we know where Patton is. You may tell that to Colonel von Gerhardt for me. Yeah, worry, Mayor. A very unpleasant individual, this Patton. A gangster. Typical of the American culture. But also their most dangerous general, Captain Welser. Remember that. Unless we know where he is and when he's going to land, no plans for attack or defense are possible. On D-Day Plus, the mystery was finally solved. On D-Day Plus, somewhere on the beaches of Normandy, third army tanks began rolling ashore. And the news spread like wildfire among the invasion troops. It's not. It's not. That's old man Patton himself. Where? What do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. Boy. Is he a tough-looking baby? <laughs> I heard them say, what? He's going to make a speech, I think. All right, men. Now, let's cut the guts out of these krauts and get the bloody blazes to Berlin. And when we get to Berlin, I'm personally going to shoot the bloody eyes out of that paper-hanging snake who calls himself Hitler. is Patton. And how did he get that way? Well, just follow us through the pages of history as we pick out the salient facts in the general's career, the highlights and the low points, the apocryphal stories and the documented truth. What does old history say? Now listen. Uh, <clears throat> uh, George S. Patton, Jr., born 1885 on his father's ranch in San Gabriel, California. Childhood, uneventful. In school, achieved reputation of being poor student and good sailor. Um, Continue. Uh, incident which follows a somewhat apocryphal. Well, that's all right. We understand. Remember, this is Patton we're dealing with, a legendary character. Very well. Theme, the principal's office. Time, 1900. Characters, the principal and George Patton, age 15. Subject, George Patton. You send for me, Mr. Studebaker? 
Uh, yes, George, I did. I have before me a report from your algebra teacher. Oh, uh, you are, I presume, aware of its contents? Oh, I, I think so, sir. Well, uh, what have you to say about the matter, George? Well, I, I was, um... That is... You see, it was this way. I, I was busy, sir. Busy? Uh, yes, sir, very busy. Too busy to take your algebra examination? Well, I couldn't very well. Yes, sir. And what were you busy with, if one may ask? Winning a race, sir. A race? What kind of a race? A sailboat race. I won the championship. First Very all... interesting, I'm sure. I take it that you're quite fond of boat racing. Yes, sir. Fonder, shall we say, than of algebra? Why, sure. Good. Well, in that case, for the remainder of the semester, you are going to do your racing right here. Huh? You will stay after school and erase all the blackboards. <laughs> Too early to tell about Patton's character? Perhaps. But soon the boy who ignored algebra examinations and won sailboat races turned into man. And as he grew, so did his interests change and his ambitions begin to crystallize. Let's turn to history again. Uh, from Pasadena High School, George Patton went to the Virginia Military Institute, then got his appointment to West Point. At West Point... Patton achieved reputation of being outstanding athlete. Anything else? Um, he also achieved reputation of having more push than any other cadet. Uh, push? Yes, push. Uh, cockiness, self-assurance. Uh, call it what you like. Scene, West Point Campus. Time, 1905. Characters, Patton and other cadets. Subject, Patton. Hello, Patton. Hello, Jackson. Say, that was quite a show you put up yesterday, fella. Darn nice tackling. Yeah, I know. I stopped him cold tonight. Same scene, same characters, six months later. Congratulations, Patton. Heard you won the shooting match. Ah, oh, nothing to it. I could have won that match with my eyes closed, my hands tied behind my back. Oh, come on, Patton. You're not that good. The heck I'm not. I'm the best shot in West Point, maybe in the whole army. Same scene, same characters, the year 1908. Hiya, Patton. Hiya, Jackson. Well, finals are almost here. Yep. How do you think you're going to make out? Duck soup. When I get through, I'm going to be class adjutant. Now, wait a minute, Patton. For four years, I've been listening to your bragging about your shooting, your, your football, your fencing and maneuvers, <laughs> and your endurance and guts and stamina and a million other things. <laughs> but don't tell me about scholarship. That's one thing I'm not going to swallow. In order to get to be class adjutant, you've got to be top in your class. And you haven't hit the books once since I've known you. So what? Studies are like everything else. You grab them by the nose and you kick them in the tail. I'm going to crack that examination wide open. If necessary, I'm going to memorize every book in the Point Library. My mind's made up, Jackson. I'm going to be class adjutant, or I'll know the reason why. Hey, Pat, yeah? Well, I gotta hand it to you. Oh, you mean class adjutant? Yeah. Oh, I was duck soup, nothing to it. Let me tell you something, Jackson. Huh? When I get through, I'm going to be the top general in the Army. Oh, Yes, the legend was beginning to grow. The legend of a man who knew what he wanted and went out and got it, whether it was there or not. Three years out of West Point, he was again proving his ability by representing the United States in the Olympic Games in Stockholm. History? Hmm? Uh, oh, yes. Um, at the Olympic Games in 1912, George Patton set a new world record in target shooting and took third honors in the pentathlon. Then, four years later... Scene, the corridor outside of General Pershing's office in Washington, D.C. Time, 1916. Character, Lieutenant Patton. Camped on a footstool. Uh, nuts. Time goes by. Ten minutes. Fifteen. A half hour. Two hours. Finally, a door opens. Oh, General, I... Oh, it's you, Jackson. Are you still sitting there, Patton? Yeah, I'm still sitting there. So what? Any objections? As far as I'm concerned, you can sit here until doomsday. The general just won't let you go. Oh, no, you watch me. Never take no for an answer. That's me. When they say no, just yeah, grab him. Yeah, but... I know. that Grab him by the nose stuff. But listen, Patton, believe me. I've been with you in West Point, and I'm on your side. And I'm giving to you straight. 
You're just making yourself look silly. Yeah? Sure. How many times has he said no to you? Fourteen. There, you see? That proves it. Proves nothing. I know what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. Never give up, do you? Now, look. I'm going to Mexico if I have to crawl to do it. I'm going to get into action if I have to tear down the building to do it. So that's that. All right, Patton. Have it your own way. Another half hour goes by. An hour. Two hours. Three hours. Four. Finally, a door opens. Oh, General Pershing. Yeah? Oh, Patton. You still here? General, I must talk to you. You've got to listen to me, General. Haven't I told you not to bother me? General, you've got to give me a chance. I deserve it. I mean, it, it isn't fair to keep me here in Washington while there's action going on in Mexico. I'm too good a man. The best shot in the Army. All I ask is you take me along. I promise you won't be sorry. General, I'll... Patton. Yes, sir. If I take you along, will you promise me something? Why, sure. Anything, General Pershing. Leave this blasted footstool here in Washington. And one thing more, Patton. Yes, sir? When you get there, remember... <laughs> Grab him by the nose and kick him in the tail. Our history continues. Uh, we seem to have left something out, Mr. Cutsworth. Huh, what's that? Um, uh, Mrs. Patton, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, <clears throat> Patton married Beatrice Eyre in 1911, two years out of West Point. They have two daughters, both married, and one son. Mrs. Patton is a model officer's wife and regards the general with a tolerance and good humor born of years of experience. Mrs. Patton also has other attributes. She is a gentle, charming woman, a novelist by profession, a sailboat enthusiast, and honestly regards her husband as a gentle, kind-hearted man. If uh, that last tempts you to smile, well, listen, the story isn't over yet. Another look at history. In 1917, Patton was sent to France as an aide to General Pershing and ordered to establish the first U.S. Army tank school at Langs. He saw action in San Miel and was awarded the DSC for participating in the offensive at air. Those are the bare facts, the official records. Actually, what happened to Patton in France, or should we say what Patton made happen in France, was much more dramatic, much more in keeping with the legend of old blood and guts. Near Chepie, September 26, 1918, hell had temporarily come to earth. German artillery shells were plowing up the ground. German rifled and machine gun bullets were whining overhead. And in the midst of all this fury stood an American tank officer directing the advance of his tank brigade. Come on, come on, get going. Go forward, you alligators. Get the lead out. Faster, faster. Hey, what the devil is that? Hold it, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Who are these men coming this way? Where are they coming from? I don't know, sir. Hey, you guys, where do you think you're going? You there, come here. Yes, sir. What's the meaning of this? Where the devil do you guys think you're going? If you're in the infantry, you're supposed to go forward, not backward. Yes, sir. You see, sir, we couldn't... Where's your commanding officer? He's dead, sir. I see. We couldn't stop them. We didn't know what to do. The whole force is disorganized. Well, you're going to get organized right now. Sergeant, you take over the tanks. All right, men. Follow me. Yes, sir. Come on, get moving. We'll show those hiding what real fighting is. Now, remember, your own fire reduces the effectiveness of the enemy fire. Now, let's get at these trunks now. Grab them by the nose and cam them in a tear. The disorganized infantry force became a highly organized unit advancing behind Patton under heavy machine gun fire. And just as the men were ready to attack, a shell came screaming down. Uh, hold up, bloody luck. Let me help you, sir. Never mind me. You guys go ahead. Go ahead. Forward. Attack. Somebody B, take that position over here. Yes, sir. Somebody A. Somebody B. Come on, I'll get a move on. Get the light out. Get those crouts and rip them wide open. Patton still continued directing operations of the unit until all arrangements for turning over the command were completed. Okay, Colonel. How do you feel, sir? All right, fine. Hey, gang. Uh -oh. oh. Pretty bad. Don't you worry, Colonel. We'll have you fixed up in no time. How sir. did we make out? Oh, we pushed them back right down the valley. Oh, no, we did, huh? Yes, sir. A major victory, uh, sir. Good, fine. Well, all right, all right. Get me fixed up and make it snappy. What do you think I want to do, spend the rest of the war in a hospital?
Yes, that's only one of the many stories in the saga of old blood and guts. Patton came back from France ready and eager to go into tanks. Instead, he was told, Patton, you're going back to horses. And so, back to horses he went. Did that keep Patton down? If you think so, you still haven't learned your history. Tanks were now Patton's baby. And tank warfare became his business and his hobby, to both of which he devoted all his spare time and all his energy. About this phase of Patton's career, history says... Uh, history? Huh? Wait, excuse me. Uh, uh, after World War One. Patton became an advocate of armored forces, an expert in tank warfare. But it wasn't until 21 years later that he had a chance to demonstrate that he was a brilliant strategist and one of the finest tacticians in all military history. Yes. June 1940 was really the beginning of the modern phase of Patton's career. He had been ordered to duty with the 2nd Armored Division at Fort Benning as tank brigade commander. When he arrived on the scene, the fur began to fly. Hey, Titus, what's the meaning of this? This is a tank camp or an old lady's home. Well, sir, you see, we didn't have time to prepare. And besides, sir, well, to put it bluntly, the division is suffocating in red tape. Oh, it is, is it? Well, we'll put a stop to it right now. A fine state of affairs. I'm supposed to train an army here, and I've got nothing to train them with. Yes, sir. Don't yes me. Hey, no, sir. No barracks, no tanks, no equipment. Titus, call Washington. Tell him I want barracks directed for these men. I want them here by the end of the week. But that's impossible, sir. The material... Don't doesn't... stand there and contradict me. I want them by the end of the week. Yes, sir. And when you're through with that, get all the tanks out and have them repaired by tomorrow morning. But that's just it, sir. There's no equipment to repair them with. And we're trying to get the authorization. Never mind the authorization. Get the equipment at Sears Robot. That's against regulations. Yes, the regulations. I'll take the responsibility. We'll tell Washington it's a new source of supply. Yes, sir. I'm going to get some discipline out of this confusion. Yes, sir. I'm going to make this the best bloody armor division in the whole dang army. Yes, sir. Well, I know the reason why. <laughs> Patton made good on his promise. By the fall of 1941, the 2nd Armored Division was the toughest, most feared, and admired outfit in the whole army, with Patton always in the forefront, always urging his men on with a now-famous slogan. All right, come on, you guys. Give it to them. Grab them by the nose and kick them in the tail. And then came North Africa. Go forward. Always go forward. You must not fail. Go until the last shots have been fired and the last drop of gasoline is gone. Then go forward on foot. And go forward they did. He chased Rummel out of Tunisia and chased the Nazis out of Sicily. All the way to Rome, Patton chased the Nazis. And then, suddenly he disappeared. And on June 11, 1944, the German radio was heard saying, The main blow cannot be struck until we see where Patton will land. <laughs> They found out soon enough. They found out when his armored columns chased them to breath. And they knew for sure when he stormed the city of Metz by frontal assault. Today, they wish they had never heard of him. Thus, history has reached out and embraced George Patton, just as he always knew it would. But who is the man behind the legend? Even history has not supplied us with an answer to that question. So make your choice right now. Is it the man who leads his men to battle, saying, Attack ruthlessly, rapidly, viciously, and without rest. Remember, a pint of sweat will save a gallon of blood. Or the man who sent out Christmas cards inscribed, Almighty, most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee to restrain these immoderate rains with which we have had to contend graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee, that armed with thy power, we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies. Is it the man who implores his men with elegant oaths? Rip the crowd belly buttons up one hill and down the other. Or the man who wrote this poem set to music. From pride and foolish confidence, from every weakening creed, 
From the dread fear of fearing, protect us, Lord, and lead. For slaves who shun the issue, we do not ask thy aid. To thee we trust our spirits, our bodies unafraid. From doubt and fearsome boding, still thou our spirits guard. Make strong our souls to conquer. Give us victory, O Lord. If the picture is still unclear, remember, these incidents, these words and anecdotes are all legends colored by time, by telling and by retelling. But here's one story that needs no embellishment. It came out of El Guitar and was carried on the wires of all the press associations. It said, El Guitar, December 12th. Today, Captain Richard Jensen, an aide to General George Patton, was killed in action. Immediately after the burial, General Patton called in the correspondence and paid tribute to the soldiers. Gentlemen, Captain Richard Jensen was one of a family that had been friends of my family for three generations. His father, now dead, was a retired commander in the Navy. Captain Jensen had volunteered to go to the front as an additional officer in our tank force on Gabby's Road. When the Stukas came over, he was standing only a few feet away from me. We dived into a slip trench, but Captain Jensen was hit, killed instantly by concussion. I have just come from his funeral. He was one of the great, bravest men in our outfit. And he died courageously. I'm acting like an old fool. The toughest, fightingest, cussingest soldier in the whole army stood up, mopped at his eyes with a khaki handkerchief, and wept. Scott's Cotsworth for another nice job of narration, and you, Lawson Zerby, for your fine portrayal of Lieutenant General Patton. Ladies and gentlemen, here's our guest again, the charming star of stage and screen, Miss Miriam Hopkins. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Treasury Department has asked me to come here today to give you reasons for buying war bonds and keeping them. To make a plea that you invest your extra dollars in the world's safest and best investment. To make an appeal to back up our fighting men with the equipment which they need. But frankly, I can't get myself to do it. I'm just an average woman with no magic power of persuasion. No secret formula which produces miracles and makes men see the things they won't see. What reason shall I give you? What kind of plea? We all read the papers. We've all seen the dispatches from the front. Among them, the story of the men in Belgium who were surrounded by the Nazis. And who, when asked to surrender, replied, not. What reason did those men have to fight in the face of tremendous odds against them? And who made the appeal that they should do it? What reasons prompted the six barefoot Americans on the island of Luzon to preserve the regimental flag of the gallant 26th Cavalry and keep it hidden and off the ground for three years of Japanese occupation? And who made the appeal that they should do it? What reasons made our fighting men today give up their lives in battle? And do they wait for an appeal before they do it? We all know the answers to these questions. We all know what reasons these men had, and that no appeal, no plea was necessary to make them fight and die for freedom. Well, if appeals are not necessary for them, why should they be necessary for us? Why must we be conjoled and flattered and high-pressured into buying and keeping war bonds when we know our reasons? 
should know that they spell the difference between life and death to our fighting men. That our little sacrifices are but a drop in the sea as compared with the sacrifices of any soldier on any fighting front. No, we need no appeals and we need no pleas. I'm confident we only need to know the truth. To look within ourselves and ask ourselves one question. Will we be able to face these men when they come back? Will we be able to look upon the extra crosses in the cemeteries and say, I've done my job extra. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Miriam Hopkins. These are our men featuring today the dramatized story of Lieutenant General George Patton, Jr., with Miriam Hopkins as our special guest, is presented each Saturday by the Parker Watch Company and its dealers throughout America, but not to sell watches. What we ask you to buy is bonds, war bonds, more bonds. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.